Hello there, and welcome to episode 5 of Baseball Ramble. Today is Friday, January 31st, and on this episode, I will be discussing the hiring of Dusty Baker to the Astros. I will also be discussing the recent Mookie Betts rumors and the possibility of him going to the Dodgers. I also discuss the Rockies and Cubs Arenado, possible Arenado Bryant swap, as well as Chris Bryant losing his grievance, and much more. So we're going to get right uh, started right off with probably the biggest news of the Astros hiring Dusty Baker to replace the recently fired A.J. Hinch. So as most of you would probably know, A.J. Hinch was fired after the results of the Astros' uh, sign-stealing scandal came out, and... I think this is a not good at all hiring. I didn't word that very well, but this is a bad hiring. Um, I think Dusty Baker is... The reason he's not on the Nationals is because he was like an anti-analytics guy. And that is the exact opposite of the entire philosophy of the Astros organization. The whole reason the Astros organization is said to be so successful is because... is because of the like the analytics they use. Now you could also argue that the sign stealing could have ha- had to do with the success, but you really can't make that argument because we have absolutely no idea. Just like steroids, we don't actually have any idea how much sign stealing benefits the players. But I don't like the reason I don't like this a because of the anti-analytics part of Dusty Baker. If he was going to like Orioles or the Tigers or something, fine. It's a veteran guy who has lots of man- managerial experience who's trying to uh, bridge the rebuild to a contending team. That's fine. But the Astros should be trying to win in the World Series in 2020. Try to prove everyone wrong that they can win a World Series without cheating. And I don't think Dusty Baker is the manager to do that because he's had so many um, so many talented teams. He had he had the um, to early 2000s Cubs that very could, could very easily could have won the World Series if the Steve Bartman uh, play didn't happen. Not saying that was Steve Bartman's fault, but the entire dilemma involving that he could have he should he should have won world series and uh for that cubs team he didn't call any type of meeting or mound visit to kind of get the players back and back on focus after the steve bartman play and that kind of screwed up everything after that and it obviously the players were not in the game at that moment which is the player's fault it's i mean it's completely on the cubs organization it's not the it's not steve bartman's fault but back to the point he had the early 2010s reds which was filled with superstars including yearly mvp candidate joey Votto, and then he had the mid 2010 nationals who literally made the playoffs every year and they could never get out of the first round when they had Bryce Harper, who was probably the second best player in baseball behind Mike Trout in the early 2010s, there it used to be a legitimate argument, but Mike Trout versus Bryce Harper, 
And he could not do anything with that team. It also had Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg on it as well. And Sean Doolittle back when he was a stud as well. Like, he just doesn't succeed. He's been given amazing rosters, and he doesn't do jack crap with those rosters. I don't see why they would hire Dusty Baker. At least if you're going to hire a veteran, which I think is a fine move because you need somebody to come in and teach these Astros players a lesson, bring in someone like John Gibbons, who, yeah, he's more he is a little more old school, but he's not entirely against analytics. Or bring in Joe Espada. I know you may not trust him fully because he was part of that 2018 team that was revealed to have been cheating, but there's... A, how. It's very hard to imagine that the Astros players cheating after what happened. It's it's almost like I can't even explain. It's just if they if they cheat this year that would be absolutely dumb and I think they would get an an awful punishment including very long player punishments. But that's besides the point. That's not going to happen. Hopefully. But yeah, Joe Espada would have been a great hire. I think Maybe even like Will Venable from the Cubs. I don't know anyone except Dusty Baker. I This is just mind-boggling to me. So now we're going to get into my... Uh, as you know, I, do, I try to do a ranking or a list or something every podcast. Today's list is five reasons the Astros have a legitimate shot at losing the AL West. Number one, Dusty Baker. Now, this one's a little less of an impact than the others because um, Dusty Baker can win divisions because with the early 2000s Cubs, with the early 2010s Reds, with the mid-2010s Nationals, and especially with the the current Astros, you could leave the managerial seat empty and they would still make the playoffs. The problem with Dusty Baker is he never goes anywhere with those teams. and But I think Dusty Baker, the downgrade from A.J. Hinch to Dusty Baker is pretty big. And I think that's a definite negative side that could lead to maybe some uh, not as like regression in 2020. Reason number two, Garrett Cole is not on the Houston Astros. Garrett Cole was the best pitcher in baseball in 2019 and is arguably either him or Jacob deGrom the best pitcher in baseball in general. And he was a seven-war pitcher and he's just not there anymore. There's no replacement for him at all. I mean, I guess you could say the closest thing to a, a replacement for Garrett Cole is Lance McCullers, but Lance McCullers, I don't know. I would say his absolute ceiling is like a four-war pitcher. I don't I see him ever exceeding that but I'd expect him to be kind of above average but he's not going to replicate anything close to what Garrett Cole did no reason number three is that the um peripherals slash expected stats suggest that not just Justin Verlander but Alex Bregman way overperformed in 2019 Justin Verlander's um ERA was just almost an entire run below his FIP and his XFIP and his uh, Sierra. 
Like all of those were in the lower mid th threes while his ERA was like in the 250s. I do think Justin Verlander, based on his peripherals and his age, he's going to have to fall off at some point. He's not going to be a Cy Young winner every year, and he shouldn't have won Cy Young this year, by the way. It should have been Garrett Cole. But Justin Verlander, yeah, it looks like he's going to regress. And then Alex Bregman also, yeah, he, he had an, a great eight-war season this year, which is really rare for any player. That only happens maybe once or twice a season. But Bregman had a um, weighted on-base average uh, over 400. And his actual, his expected weighted on-base average was... Uh, in the 370s, which is a big drop-off. And for those of you who don't know what WOBA or XWOBA, which those are abbreviations for weighted on-base average and expected weighted on-base average, it's basically just a stat to measure uh, how good of a hitter a player is like offensively. And the the mark, like uh, for instance, think about on-base percentage. Uh, average on base percentage is like 320. That's exactly what the average weighted on base average is too. So like a really good on base percentage is 360. That's also a really good, like it's the same scale basically for on base percentage and weighted on base average. So if you hear me say a 400 weighted on base average, you think, oh, if a guy has a 400 on base percentage, that's elite. So he's an elite hitter if he has a 400 weighted on base average. And then if it's like in the low 300s, that means they're bad. But anyway, yeah, Bregman way overperformed his uh, actual expected weighted on base average. Pressure, or not, <laughs> reason number five, the pressure of the sign-stealing scandal. Yeah, there's no need to explain this one. They must have the weight of the world on their shoulders thinking about trying to prove everybody wrong that they can win without cheating and if they get into an early slump in the season i just think they might give that up they might give the motivation up and say well i guess we were just cheaters and we can't win without cheating now i doubt they would actually have that mindset but i think the uh, media would start saying that and that would definitely get in their heads and affect the way they're playing uh so that's another reason and number Five reason number five doesn't even have to do with the Astros. It's to do with their main ALS rival, the Athletics, and it's that the middle infielder pairing of Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. That combo is getting better every year. Both are elite. Both are the best defenders at their position. Matt Olson is by far the best defensive first baseman in baseball, and Matt Chapman is the best defensive player in baseball in general. Just insane stats. He's like a defensive run saved over 40 for the past two seasons. Plus, both guys are, uh, I think their expected weighted on base averages are both around like the 360s. I think Matt Olson's actually might be even higher. But both are just great offensive guys who ha can be 30% above league average offensively with elite defense. Yeah, that pairing looks really scary, and they're both still young. Like, I don't think either. I think I haven't looked up the ages, so I might be completely off on this, but I feel like Matt Chapman's like 25 or 26, and I think Matt Olson is around 25 as well. But yeah, if 
if under the right circumstances, Dusty Baker's a terrible manager. The Astros can't make up for Garrett Cole. Verlander and Bregman aggress. The pressure of the sign stealing scandal just crushes the Astros. And then the Athletics have star-studded years for Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. Plus the call like Jesus Luzardo, who's like the number twelve prospect prospect in baseball, and uh, the. If he comes out and is like, I, I could definitely see him winning Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to be a stud. The Athletics could eat, like, under all those circumstances, win the division. Now, the Astros have a better team, so all that stuff probably is going to have to happen for the Athletics to actually have a chance against the Astros. But I don't, like, this year we came into the year thinking the Astros are one of the best teams we've ever seen. They're easily going to win their division, and we were right. The Athletics won 98 games, and yet the Astros still won the division by 10 games. This year, I think it's going to be close. So now on to the Mookie Betts rumors, and I am on like um, breaking news watch because I'm only an hour removed from the report that we're going to talk about that the Dodgers and Red Sox are reportedly deep into Mookie Betts trade talks, and it is a reportedly a two-team race to trade for Mookie Betts between the Padres and Dodgers, and it is reportedly more likely than not that Mookie Betts is traded at this point. And it's uh, also been reported that a Mookie Betts deal could be done in the near future, which means I'm t I may be talking about this, and by the time this is uploaded, this stuff, this conversation may be completely irrelevant because I'm going to have to talk about a, an actual Mookie Betts trade by the the time you guys are listening to this but we're still going to talk about it so another we're going to go through the other reports because there was a lot of reporting about this today and just all the reports coming in really makes me think this is going to happen i don't think mookie betts is going to be on the red sox in uh 2020 so the other reports are saying that in a deal with the dodgers david price may be heading to the dodgers as well and that jock peterson could be a main part of the piece going to Boston. So that is definitely interesting. So, a lot to digest here. It, sound, it, it sounded like in the last episode when I was talking about the Mookie Betts rumors, it sounded like the Padres are going to be like the front runners and Mookie Betts might be a Padre. And, but from all these reports, it really sounds like he might go to the Dodgers. So which one is a better fit? I think the Dodgers are a better fit. I just... I don't think the Padres are going to be in a deep playoff run in 2020. I think this is the year they're going to try to actually make their first playoff run. Um, so, like, I think the Dodgers are a better fit because if they trade for Mookie Betts, and remember, Mookie Betts is only going to be contractual, like, it, he's only under one year of control. He becomes a free agent after this season. So the Dodgers' competitive time frame of 2020 is much more realistic than the Padres. And if the if the Dodgers do trade for Mookie Betts, like I was saying, I keep saying, I think the Braves have a legitimate shot at coming out of the NL and being the number one seed because I think their team is really good. But if the Dodgers trade for Mookie Betts, you're going to have Austin Barnes at catcher, which is underwhelming. But then your infield is Max Muncie, Gavin Lux, the number two prospect in baseball, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, who is supremely, supremely underrated. And then your outfield is going to be Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, 
and Alex Verdugo and AJ Pollock probably pl- platooning for like the left field spot. And then if the report that the Dodgers might trade for Price is true as well, the rotation depth of that Dodgers would be insane as well. With Clayton, their rotation would be something like Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, David Price, Kenta Maeda, and Alex Wood, which is already super good. And then you also have Julio Urias and Jimmy Nelson in your bullpen, who can be above average starters as well. If the Dodgers make that trade, them and the Yankees. You, you got to predict them for the World Series because those two teams are going to look nasty. And that would be just, it'd be quite the story to see Mookie Betts come back and face the Yankees on a different team in the World Series. Man, if this happens, the Dodgers are just going to be scary, scary, scary. And I think there could be a legitimate shot at both the Yankees and Dodgers winning way over 100 games, like approaching what around what the 2018 Red Sox did. And and the thing about the Yankees, though, is the Yankees are still better because they're bullpen. They have, like, Tommy Canely and Aroldis Chapman and Chad Green and Adam Adovino. The Dodgers don't really have much there. They have Joe Kelly and um, Pedro Baez and Kenley Jansen. And uh, Blake trying, and if he bounces back, he'll be nasty. But yeah, Yankees and Dodgers looking really nasty at this point. And one thing I do want to talk about before I stop talking about Mookie Betts and David Price is I think both those guys are going to be have monster years. Well, not Price, but Mookie is going to have a big bounce back year. A lot of people kind of wrote him off this year because he didn't hit for a ton of power. Uh, his stats, he hit 295 with 29 home runs and 80 RBIs. He had a 391 on base, a 525 slugging for a 915 OPS. He had a 135 WRC+, plus, which means he was still 35% above league average offensively. He had a 380 weighted on base and a 408 expected weighted on base. That's why I think he's going to have a monster year. And then offense or defensively, he was still elite. 15 defensive runs saved, 12.6 ultimate zone rating for a 6.6 war. And he's still only going to be 27 years old in 2020. Uh, 20. Joining Cody Bellinger in that lineup. Oh, man, the Dodgers would have the best. I mean, the Dodgers would have easily two top four players in baseball. If I had to say who my top four players in baseball right now, I'd probably go Mike Trout 1, Christian Yelich 2. Actually, I don't know. Mookie Betts might be 2. I'm not going to make that decision because that's a lot to think about. But either Mookie Betts or Christian Yelich is number 2, and then they're 2 and 3, and then Cody Bellinger is 4. So the Dodgers would have two of the top four best players in baseball. I mean, holy cow. I'm just thinking just now about how insane a Mookie Betts to the Dodgers trade is. And as a Cardinals fan, that's kind of scary. I don't really want to think about taking that in the, like, uh, facing that in the playoffs. But I also love watching really good teams. Like, I watched the Astros a lot this year. Um, I'm going to watch a lot of Yankees this year, I'm sure. Probably a lot of Astros as well, just because it'll be intriguing, the, the story of them this year. 
But man, and then also David Price. He had a 428 ERA and only pitched 100 innings this year. But his 362 FIP, his 373 XFIP, and his 385 Sierra, which are all um, ERA predictors, he they suggest he's going to be pretty, but like. He might have like he could come back and put an ERA in the above threes that or the high threes this year. He still struck out ten point seven guys per nine. He's still nasty. Uh, he just struggles a bit with home runs. So yeah, I still think, man, what an insane trade that would be. So now let's look at other trade rumors real quick. So first of all, it was reported that uh, we have kind of a two-way rumor right here. It was kind of discussed that the Reds are still kind of interested in trading Francisco Lindor. And there was a report that came out that they uh, Nick Senzel could be involved in a Lindor deal. But it has since came out that uh, Lindor trade talks are reportedly dormant. So yeah, that, co that coinciding with the fact that um, the Indians GM came out a week or so ago and said... Uh, Cleveland or not uh, Francisco Lindor is going to be on most likely going to be an Indian in 2020 combined with this report it's basically confirmed plus um, Reds president of baseball operations Dick Williams came out and said that they aren't trading Nick Senzel so yeah that the whoever reported that the uh, Senzel Lindor trade uh, could happen yeah he's probably not very popular and right now and another intriguing report that makes me laugh uh everything off i guess is the rockies and cubs are discussing a brian arenado swap and i am seeing cubs fans particularly cubs fans i'm close to think that could happen <laughs> no that is not happening Chris Bryant is not going to be a Colorado Rocky. Nolan Arenado is not going to be a Chicago Cub for one reason. A report came out earlier this offseason that the Cubs could not afford to give Eric Sogard a one-year, $4.5 million deal. That's what he ended up signing with the Brewers, and they couldn't afford that. Are you telling me the Cubs are going to take on Nolan Arenado's contract, which is $10 million more expensive than Chris Bryant's right now, and is going to end up totaling well over $200 million for the rest of the deal. After the Cubs took on you, Darvish, and Jason Hayward, you're telling me they're going to risk taking Nolan Arenado's contract? That is an absolute joke. <laughs> that that's I can't believe people believe that report. And it's not serious either. It says discussing. I can I can call um I can get the Angels' GM's uh, phone number and I can report that I had discussions to trade Mike Trout for my water bottle. Like who cares if they discussed it? That's absolutely nothing substantial. I think I'm just laughing because I know people in real life who think this is a possibility. But speaking of Chris Bryant, much bigger news than a report that will have no relevance within the next week or so. Is that Chris Bryant lost his service time grievance against the Cubs. So for those of you who do not know what this grievance was, service time 
uh, well, to explain what service time is, uh, to hit free agency, you have to have six years of service time. And if you are called up after a certain date in the season, that that season does not count towards that uh, service time, basically. Uh, so the Cubs in 2015, when they called Brian up, called him literally the day after the deadline. Like they usually teams like Vlad Jr. wasn't uh, called up right after the deadline. It was like a week or so. Juan Soto wasn't even called up until May. Um, or it's just they start him off in at opening day like Fernando Tatis Jr. and Pete Alonso were. Um, the Cubs called him up the day, the day after. Chris, this this thing's going on for been going on forever. And yeah, he lost his grievance. That was expected. Um, and the reason he filed a grievance was because he feels like he was robbed a year of free agency. He could have hit a free agency this offseason. Or not this offseason, next offseason, after the 2020 season. But instead, he's not going to hit it until after the 2021 season, where he's going to be an entire year older. He's already going to be over 30 years old, which isn't necessarily... I mean, he's probably... I could see him getting what like Donaldson got this offseason. He's not going to be able to secure like a deal what Arenado got, where he got like eight years, two hundred and sixty million or something along that lines. So Chris Bryant feels robbed, and I agree. But that's in this, he probably was robbed of millions and millions of dollars. But it's in the CBA, and I don't necessarily feel bad for you because um, that that's like. It's the rules, and that's that needs to be a rule that's changed. But I don't see the argument for for Bryant winning that, considering it's literally in the rules that as long as you call up a player after the state, it doesn't count towards their service time. Uh, and also, it was reported that that he Chris Bryant felt the Cubs lied in the in the court. Why are the Cubs lying in court? They literally could have just said, in the CBA, this is legal. That's literally, they could have said that sentence and left. Like, why are they lying in, in about Chris Bryant in court? That just makes no sense. Though, Chris Bryant also said he feels no ill will towards the Cubs. Uh, so, it's, the, yeah, we're, this is going to be an irrelevant story. Uh, but it is interesting. Now we we had a few minor signings, nothing uh, of note to talk about today on the player signing wise. But let's talk about a few relief moves and a few infield moves that were made. First of all, the Reds continue making moves. They've brought in a uh, former Cubs closer Pedro Strop on a one-year, $1.8 million deal. Strop wasn't good this year. He had 497 ERA, 453 FIP, 419 XFIP, and 394 Sierra. So he wasn't as bad as his ERA suggests, but he's not. I think he's still going to be kind of a below-average reliever, and he st still is nasty though. He strikes out 10.5 guys per nine, but he walks. He has no control. He gives up 4.3 uh, walks per nine, and he gives up 1.3 home runs per nine. So home runs are a problem for him, and that's not going to really subside in Great American Ballpark. The Cubs. Also signed former Brewers uh, pit relief pitcher Jeremy Jeffress to a one-year $850,000 deal. So the Cubs are making huge moves this offseason. Uh, they've made they've uh, signed Jeremy Jeffress. Uh, they've signed uh, Brandon Morrow. 
yeah, that's about it. So yeah, the <laughs> the Cubs. Oh, we can't forget about Steven Souza Jr. either. But yeah, the Cubs bring in Jeremy Jeffress, and this isn't a bad move. Actually, he did have a 5.02 ERA, but he really wasn't that bad at all. He had a 3.96 FIP, a 4.40 XFIP, and 4.21 ERA, so he can still be a roughly average reliever, I suppose. Uh, and the but the Cubs bullpen is just going to be weak for a second straight year. Like according to roster resource, the uh, the setup men for the Cubs are currently Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan. And the closer is Craig Kimbrell, who is, as of right now, my favorite player in the world because he gave up back-to-back -back home runs to Yachty and Paul DeYoung in a game I went to. Um, but, yeah, that's they don't have a strong bullpen. They don't have a necessarily strong rotation. And their, their core of Contreras, Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant gets weaker by the year with... Baez being overrated, Bryant being overrated, and Contreras being overrated. So, uh, yeah, Cubs, yeah, they're getting third place this offseason. Uh, next, we have Red Sox re-signing first baseman Mitch Moreland to a one-year $3 million deal. That also includes a $3 million club option for 2021. I actually like this signing. Mitch Moreland is actually um, projected to platoon first base with Michael Chavis. So kind of what that's expected to look like is when Moreland's playing, the infield is Moreland at first, Chavis at second, and then Bogarts and Devers at short and third. And then when Moreland isn't playing, it's expected that Chavis moves over to first, and then um, Jose Peraza is the starting second baseman. Uh, so yeah, but Mitch Moreland was actually pretty good in t uh, 2019. He wasn't really talked about, but he kind of had a, not super similar, but kind of comparable to what Steve Pierce did for the Red Sox in 2018. He was just a really solid bench bat. He hit 252 with 19 home runs and 58 RBIs. He had a 328 on base, base percentage and a 507 uh, slugging for an 835 OPS, a 112 WRC+, a 347 weighted on base, a 351 expected weighted on base, and he's averaged defensively, 0 DRS, and negative 1.8 UZR. So, uh, and he's 34, so he could drop off this season. I mean, that's not really that, that wouldn't be surprising considering his age. But yeah, the Red Sox, especially if they trade Mookie Betts, I think they're still trying to win. But, uh, so I do like the signing. And then, there isn't much to talk, talk about here, um, but it's I just found it interesting. I thought this was a funny story. So... Uh, White Sox second baseman Yolmer Sanchez won the gold glove this uh, offseason, and then he was DFA'd later because he's an awful hitter. So I just never heard of a gold glove player getting uh, DFA'd before. But the Giants have signed him to a minor league deal, and while so Sanchez is a terrible hitter, he hit 252 with two home runs and 43 RBIs. He had a 639 OPS, a 74 WRC+, which means he's 26% below league average offensively. A 276 expected weight on base. I mean, you know, he'll be a solid backup infielder. I mean, he had an 11 DRS and 4.9 UZR. I think he was definitely deserving of that gold glove, but I also don't think... That's the that's a weird prototype player. He's deserving of a gold glove, but he's not deserving of a starting spot on an MLB baseball team just because of how awful he is defensively. And yeah, the reason Yolmer Sanchez won't start is because the Giants called up uh, prospect Mauricio Dubon, and he was pretty solid, and 
there's no reason to start Yomer Sanchez, who will never be good, over Dubon, who could be a really solid player. Uh, so just just a little, uh, a few injuries to talk about, and then we'll head out. First up, newly acquired infielder Luis Arias of the Brewers. Uh, he was acquired in the trade that sent Zach Davies and Trent Grisham for um, for Luis Arias. Geez, that's a hard name to say. And I'm blinking on the pitcher's name. So, yeah, Luis Arias is out for six to eight weeks after handmate bone surgery. So Arias is likely to miss almost all of spring training and may be um, injured going into opening day. So you never like to see that, especially for a guy who's a former top prospect. And now it's kind of looking like he might be a bust, which isn't usually surprising for these contact-oriented prospects. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can do anything on the Brewers this year. I do think the Brewers won that trade because I think Zach Davies is overrated and Trent Grisham is an average prospect. I think he'll be an average outfielder. But Luis Arias definitely has potential. Well, he'll see if he can find that with the Brewers. And then Eugenio Suarez, the Reds' third baseman, will be, uh, quote, limited in spring training after uh, getting right shoulder surgery just to clean up some loose bodies, which I, I still have no idea what that means, by the way. Uh, that's in a lot of surgeries, if you don't get that. And But he is expected to be 100% near the beginning of the season. So... Just kind of an interesting report there. We might not see a lot of Eugenio Suarez in spring training, but he'll be part of that Reds lineup coming in opening day. And I'll probably I'm gonna try to talk about whether I actually I'm a believer in the Reds or not because I'm all, I'm seeing a lot of people say the Reds are gonna win the division, and I'm gonna I'm seeing a lot of people say the Reds are still a fourth place team. So yeah, I'm I think I'm gonna try to address that in one of the next few episodes whether I'm a Reds believer or not. But yeah, that is about it for episode 5 of Baseball Ramble. I appreciate it for listening, for you for listening. And I'm going to do one final refresh on MLB trade rumors. And Mookie Betts hasn't been traded yet. I, I know my luck. He's going to be traded as soon as I upload this podcast. And everything I said is going to be irrelevant. But yeah, thank you for listening to episode 5 of Baseball Ramble. Uh, thank you. I... For everyone who's been listening past this point, episode four did struggle a little bit, but that kind of had a little to do with the time it was uploaded. That was a little bit screwed up. I'm still trying to kind of get used to my schedule. But yeah, this has been a lot of fun so far, and I'm seeing no signs of stopping yet. So this, I think this is definitely going to be a long-term thing, and I'm having a lot of fun preparing and talking and just doing everything about this podcast is fun. So thank you guys for listening, and episode six will be ready this coming Tuesday. I will talk to you then.